Welcome to the Deep Roots at Home podcast. For those of you new here, the Deep Roots at Home website was founded by Jackie in 2011. As a retired RN, longtime homeschooler, past Lyme sufferer with a love of preventative natural medicinals, Jackie has encouraged women for years now. Our desire is to spread truth and important information during these recent deceptive times, as well as the practicals of homemaking and all things beautiful. Whether you are listening in the car, while you're making dinner for your children, or sitting with a relaxing cup of tea, welcome to the podcast. Welcome to the Deep Roots at Home podcast. I am so happy to have you here today, and we have a special friend of mine on today, Trisha Goyer, and we are going to be talking about adoption today. Trisha Goyer is a prolific author of more than 80 books. She's also the homeschooling mama of 10. Seven of these kiddos have been adopted. She's the grandmother of four and the wife to John, and she has quite a story to share with us about her adoption journey. And so we are just super excited. We, um, I just want to encourage people, maybe there's listeners today that just uh, are thinking about adoption or they're praying about uh, going that direction. And so I think that Trisha's story is going to be an inspiration to many. So welcome to the podcast, Trisha. Thank you, Jenny. It's so great to be here. So let's just jump right in. And I would just love for you to um, share with us, you know, what what are some of the things that even brought you to adoption in the first place? What are some of the, um, like, did you always know you wanted to adopt? No, that's a good question. Cause I, it was never like on my radar of, you know, some people grow up and say, I want to adopt kids someday. I wanted a big family when I was little. So I always wanted like a lot of kids. I would draw pictures of them and like have all their names. I always wanted six girls and two boys. Like oh. anyway, but then when I started having kids, my first one, I was a teen mom. I had Corey when I was 17, then met and married John and had two more. Um, Leslie, was I was 20 when I had her and I was 22 when I had Nathan. So by being 22 and having three kids, I'm like, oh no, this is a lot of work. I did not want eight kids anymore. Hey. And I just thought it was, that was it. We were just going to have three kids. Um, and so for many years, that was the plan. And then God really just in, being in his word, <laughs> like God's word changed my heart because he talks about so many times about caring for the orphans and the widows. And, you know, my pure religion is this, as it says in James, um, to, to care for the widows and orphans and their needs. And so really it was God's word that kind of like, huh, if God yeah. says this is important, maybe it's important. Yeah. And that's kind of the seeds that got planted. Interesting. Interesting. So uh, you were 22 and already had three kids. So mm -hmm. when was your first adoption then? Well, so we started on a path um, many, many years before the adoption even happened. We lived in Montana at the time and we had friends that had adopted a baby girl from China. Um, and she was probably about three when they moved to Montana. And so we were just part of their lives and get to see her. And they had... Um, an older son and then I think many miscarriages and then they adopted from China and so 
just seeing what a joy she was. And they talked about there's so many baby girls that are open for adoption. And at the time there were. And so we got a video that talks about the daughters of China and it all the, you know, the cribs lined up. And so we thought, okay, this is definitely something we need to do because there's so many kids that just need a home. And so that was our initial plan. We did the paperwork. We paid the deposit on the agency. We, you know, you, it's quite a bit of money. You have to get stuff translated. Like there's a lot of work put into it. So that was our first initial, like, we're going to do this. And then um, this was like three years in the work of just getting the money and then doing this paperwork and doing more paperwork. And right when all our final paperwork's done, home studies are done, you know, all the things, um, a year later, so we were on the list, a year later, we get an email or maybe it was a phone call, I don't remember which one, from the agency saying, well, China's just decided they're not going to do these adoptions anymore. Um, they want the, the kids to stay here. And so I was crushed oh. because first of all, there's many years of God's words during it. And then I brought it up a couple times with John. I think Nathan, the youngest was probably seven at the time. Like maybe we should adopt. And he was, he was like, we're so busy and we have these three kids that you started homeschooling. I have, I helped start a crisis pregnancy center. I was right starting to write. So he's like, you have no width for this, you know, no um, a way you can do this. And then when God finally put it on his heart, we started all this paperwork. So by this time we're talking probably seven, 13 years in the works of oh. praying, yeah. first of all, interest, then praying, then paperwork. And, um, when they said like, it's, if it happens, it might be five years from now, but we don't know if it'll ever happen. I just remember being crushed because that's a lot of years to like think about something and do paperwork and get stuff translated and do home studies and, uh, you know, have your name on the list. Like, and they always said, it'll take this many months. Well, now it's like, we don't even know. And I remember just my heart was so broken and um, going into my bedroom, like crawling under the comforter and crying and like I don't understand like you tell us to care for the orphans and the widows and you put this in our heart and it's so much time and investment I don't understand why these doors are closing and it was probably a good couple hours I just had a good cry and felt sorry for myself we've had other friends during that that time that had adopted that had you know, matches in the states and I'm like why did you take us on this really long journey only just to close the door and just like heartbroken and but finally coming to the place where you know it's like the psalms like david's like things are horrible then the end is like i will trust you so after the crying this is not fair and i thought you wanted to do this and then your heart is invested because you kind of envision we had a name picked out you can you kind of envision um what that's going to look like and so when that didn't happen crushed and called john i'm crying on the phone um, but a couple hours later, I'm like, God, I trust you. You put this on our heart for a reason. Um, if doors open that we don't know in China, that, you know, that would be awesome. If there's another child for us, like whoever it is, whatever we're supposed to do, I relinquish it to you. And I had done that different times in my life with my writing when I'd be working so hard and trying to get published and get rejection after rejection after rejection. And finally, like, Lord, finally get to the point where I realize I can't do it in my strength and I relinquish it to God. I kind of got that way with my, our adoption, like whatever you have, whoever you have for us. Um, I don't even know maybe if it's a different country, maybe it's someone local, like it's yours. Like here it is. Here's my dream. Here's my heart. Um, and so got up, 
touch my face and my grandma has lived with this since 1999 so she's been she's still here she's 90 now almost 94 years old she'll be 94 in a couple of weeks but she wanted to go to Walmart and so here I am like I've just been crying in my bed you know it as a homeschool mom I'm like go watch a movie it's fine you know because it's been a hard day but my grandma wanted to go to Walmart so I'm like okay so I'm in the car taking my grandma to Walmart my cell phone rings I answer it and it's a friend that I knew from a local mops group. So I didn't even know her real well. I don't, I'm not sure how she had my number, but she called and, and she said, so this might come completely out of the blue, but um, we have a, a distant family member who is pregnant and she wants to place her baby up for adoption. And she went through an agency and they thought they had someone picked out, but that family can no longer adopt and she's doing three months and she's all of a sudden frantic because she doesn't know what to do and she doesn't trust the agency anymore. And you had mentioned in MOPS that you were trying to adopt. And I don't know where that is in the process, but if you're interested, um, I told her about you and she would love to meet you and your husband. And that was the same day, Jenny, that <laughs> we got the call or email. I can't remember which one it was from, from the people with the China adoption agency saying it's not going to happen or it's going to be a really, really long time. The that was the same day. day. The same day I like relinquish like God, whatever, whoever it is, whatever you want to do. I just trust you as I'm like, like sobbing in my bed. It was the same day. Wow. And so earlier that morning, I'd call my husband at work. Oh, they're not going to adopt. Blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Blabbering on the phone, crying. And then like five hours later, honey, there's a young woman that lives in our town that's looking for a family. The seven months pregnant. It, it was so it was such a God thing. It was such a God thing that it was that day. Roller coaster. <laughs> yeah, oh, absolutely. Which but, adoption pretty much is adoption is an emotional roller coaster. It is no secret that Jackie loves TRS, but some have asked exactly what is TRS. TRS is a nano zeolite spray that facilitates some amazing things. TRS does not heal anything, but it gently clears the body of toxins and heavy metals, so the body can heal itself exactly as God designed it to do. Why not get to the root cause instead of just applying band-aids? Excellent supplements and individual remedies can help, but they cannot help as much until you remove the root source of inflammation and disease. Detoxing toxins and metals is foundational to good health. TRS is safe for the elderly and for children as well. For more information, go to www.deeprootsathome.com forward slash TRS. So we met her and um, so that was November. She was due in the end of February. Um, and we didn't know, like she, we would take her to lunch. She came and hung with her family, but she didn't really tell us like if she was choosing us. <laughs> so she would just, she had a four-year-old daughter at the time and we would do lots of stuff. And I'm like, did she, I'll ask John, did she say anything to you? And he's like, no, did she say anything to you? So finally, like the middle of January, like she's going to be doing a month. I'm like, so did you want to choose us? She's like, oh yeah, I thought you knew. <laughs> so I was just thinking she was like testing us out and like and we were just waiting for her to say yes we choose you but I guess she had told her friend her relative anyway we did not realize that she had chosen us but we still enjoy it when we still spent 
every minute with her and her daughter that we could until the baby was born. And then um, she was two weeks late. So the middle of March, she had um, a sweet baby girl, nine pounds even. And uh, so we had go from, we don't know if this ever going to happen to all of a sudden we're taking home a newborn. We only had one child at home at the time. He was 15. Um, our uh, daughter who was three years older than him was um, living with our youth pastor's family. And then our son was married with uh, bar- barely newly wed married. And our daughter was living, just moving with our youth pastor's family. Cause we were moving from Montana to Arkansas. So right at the same, almost exact same exact time that we get connected with this birth mom, we also had this ministry opportunity to go work for Family Life in Little Rock, Arkansas. It's an awesome marriage and family ministry. And so talk about life change. Our, our daughter for a time ended up with our youth pastor um, as she finished up her associate's degree in Montana. We took our 15-year-old and um, our daughter was nine days old when we got in the U-Haul and drove and moved from um, Montana to Little Rock, Arkansas. Wow. And your youngest was how old at this time? 15. 15. So you were starting all over. Starting all over. Yes. <laughs> and we had school. We had homeschooled them all the way through. So we were like, we're starting from, I almost have my third one graduating to a uh, newborn. Wow. Wow. So that was your, your first adoption. Mm-hmm. That's so, a private adoption. Okay. So let's go on from there to your next adoption was how soon after that was that? Yeah. So that was about two and a half years. Um, and we had this amazing, sweet, newborn, adorable baby girl that was completely spoiled <laughs> because we had, remember my grandma still lived with us. So it was me and my husband, uh, my grandma. And then our 15-year-old, she had four people doting on her all the time. She was so spoiled. And also, you know, her closest sibling was 15 years older than her. And John and I, you know, like we should maybe consider adopting again because um, just to have a sibling closer to her age, um, we don't want her raised as an only and be so spoiled that she, no one wants to live with her because she's so difficult. Um, so, but we were just praying about it and it was right around that time. Like we, this is something we need to consider now. Again, we had spent all this money on China that never happened. And then a private adoption, we pulled money together. I don't even know how, like God for that to happen. Um, and then the thought, like, and John had to take a big pay cut to go work for a ministry. So we're like, well, we should start praying about it. We really don't know how it's going to happen. And during that time what we had just started to talk about it, um, I was going to a conference of women writers and speakers in Florida. So I flew over there and it was a ministry training thing event. Um, and so I was there and I knew some of the other women, but mostly I didn't know there's, I think maybe 16 of us there. And in one evening, the first evening we were there in our little small group, there's like four or five of us in my room and we're just getting to know each other. And I just had said, I really feel God's like calling us to adoption. And on the way flying there, I read this book called Kisses for Katie or Kisses from Katie. Have you read that by, um, okay. So it's about a, a young woman who goes to Uganda on a missions trip and just her heart is for the orphan and she ends up adopting 13 girls but like she's still in her early 20s and she's now a mom of like 13 kids wow. and so I'm like okay if this young woman could adopt 
all these kids like we could probably do one more or two more and so <laughs> so sibling group now is in my mind um but also moving to arkansas they have something called project zero and so what project zero does um christy Irwin is the one that heads it up they get photos of kids that are available for adoption in foster care and they do photos and then they have what they call a heart gallery so all of a sudden we walk into church a couple weeks prior and there's all these photos of all these kids and sibling groups available for adoption so these are kids that their parents rights have already been terminated there's no way they can ever live with their parents again they're wards of the state and they just need homes so it's like this perfect collision of new place um going into the churches and seeing these photos of all these kids getting on you know talking about well maybe Alyssa's getting older she's about two at this time maybe getting a sibling for her and then reading this book uh, kisses for Katie that was like ah this is like something God's really put on my heart so all the women in my bedroom we prayed about it and I'm like okay you guys gotta really pray because I'm gonna bring up with John about adopting from foster care because there's already kids available um right. and so I'm like I'm gonna bring this up I don't know how it's gonna go and I was how what he's gonna say and so I called John that night, you know, after I was done with our evening sessions. And um, the very first thing he said out of his mouth is, Trish, have you ever thought about adopting from foster care? <laughs> and I was like blown over. It was the same type of thing when my friend called out of the blue um, and said, hey, we have this family or this young woman that's looking for a family. Right. And I was like, what are you talking about? At first, he was probably thinking like, I'm thinking no way. But I was like, I was just in my room with these women. I hardly know them. And we were all praying that you would be open to this. And so what had happened, like, this is such a God thing. And I will tell you, Jenny, that it had to be a God thing because adoption's really hard. And there's a lot of trauma stuff, which I'll get into a little bit. But um, it was those moments we can look back on that were so clearly God that we it's no doubt in our mind like we did this because it was our own desire or to make ourselves feel good or any of that um it was very clearly god in all these areas which helps us like when things are really really hard we get both but look at where god showed up you know so right. um that very same day when i was flying to florida to go and go to this women's retreat this women's training um he had gone out with a guy from our church, their family from our church, they were also with family life and they had adopted kids and they'd been going back and forth. Like, um, let's go uh, to lunch. And then, Oh, I can't do it this week. And so this is months of them going back and forth. And they finally went to lunch and, um, John was talking to Dan about Alyssa and our adoption. And maybe we were thinking of, you know, just starting to talk about wanting to adopt again, but we can think about how to get the money for it. And Dan told him, he said, well, you know, there's so many kids waiting in foster care and it doesn't cost anything. Um, they, the, the state helps pay for all the adoption fees and everything, the home studies, everything, because they need, they really just need homes for these kids. Right. And so he had this conversation with Dan the same time I was flying over reading Kisses for Katie. And then that night it was just like, yeah. I think this is something God is calling us to do. <laughs> so we went back, I went back, you know, couple weeks later and went to Arkansas and filled out the paperwork um and right away got a phone call and you have to do training that here it's called pride training but you have to do training and that, that's an acronym for something I don't even know parents I don't know what it means 
parents, resources, I don't know. But anyway, you had to do the training to prepare you to adopt from foster care. And so we started going to this training and we were in this room with dozens and dozens of families. And I was like, some of them are really scary. I mean, this is just being completely honest. Um, Some of them, it was because uh, if you adopt kids maybe with special needs or larger sibling groups, you can often get a stipend for that. Or some of them were just interested in fostering and not adopting. Um, so there was a lot of different motives just by the questions they were asking. We're like, mm. what are your motives for wanting to adopt kids? And so yeah. I remember getting in the car and there's probably like 20 something other families to start not all of them went all the way through but I'm like would you want any of those kids adopting your kids and there's maybe two or three other couples that were like okay those were solid people but it just kind of made me see like there's a lot of people adopting that don't have good motives that some of the questions like one lady was like why on this form do you have to put down if you've ever been um uh have a have a felony on your record for elder abuse and I'm like Oh my word. Like, first of all, you're asking this out loud and it totally applies. Like if you have a felony for elder abuse and you're trying to adopt from foster care, like that's the kind of, and that it was those types of questions where I'm like, who are these people and who like, it was, it was, it was pretty so I suppose so all the-, the monetary benefits were probably a huge motive mm-hmm. for some families. Yeah. Yeah, for if they went the larger sibling groups or special needs. It's not always that case with foster care, but for in some cases that is. Um, and yeah, how much can you get a month? How many kids can we have? You can have eight under the age of 18. Okay, can we get eight all at once? I mean, it was like, wow. So clear. But all again, these kids are in foster care. It's not like they have a lot of options. So this is why Christian's families definitely need to go and get involved and find out about adopting kids that again, their parents' rights are already terminated. It's not like you have to do the back and forth visits with the parents. Um, they their parents have no contact with them. So to vaccines, most mothers and fathers want to know facts, not others' opinions. Jackie wished she had known more facts when she went in for her first well-baby visit. Because Jackie strongly promotes parental choice, she felt led to write a short treatise with personal facts. This vaccination ebook is pretty concise to allow you, the parent, to read, research into the studies she shares, and come up with your own decisions. Jackie's sincere desire is that you and your children thrive, and so she presents to you the vaccination ebook free of charge. Simply go to deeprootsathome.com forward slash vital dash info dash ebook forward slash. That's deeprootsathome.com forward slash vital dash info dash ebook forward slash. Just learned, it was a huge learning curve, learning process, lots of training. Um, and I will say I had a little bit of pride, which God has really brought me low because at this time, my oldest was 23 and I'm like, I've been a mom for 23 years. Like I'm sitting here in your parenting classes, but I've already raised kids. Like, I just thought like, it's going to pretty much be the same, which afterwards it's not, it's not the same at all. Um, because any adoption is a trauma. Even the one we were at our first daughter's we were in the birth in the room when she was born I've had her like you think like she's been there since she's a tiny tiny baby like there's no trauma every adoption is a trauma because it's the removal from a biological family whether there is trauma inflicted on the child 
or just during pregnancy. And you know this, Jenny, if people are under stress, if there's drugs involved, if they're under stress and if they're being abused and then there's high cortisol levels. I mean, all the trauma is felt even in utero. So for sure. Yeah. So all this, uh, now I realize this, but for at the time, I'm like, I've been a parent for like 23 years. Like, I totally know. I'm just going to go through these classes. Um, so at the end of that, we did go through the training and it was like a couple months. And I'm thinking, I thought they were so desperate for having kids go to families. Like, how come we're not getting a call? It was kind of weird. And uh, we told them it's kind of the age range we wanted younger because we had a two and a half year old. We thought that would be better to have siblings her age. We said we'd be open to sibling groups. We also said whatever race, whatever nationality, we were fine. It didn't matter. Um, and it was during the holidays. So I'm pretty sure that's why we didn't get a call like for those first two months as we finished like right before Thanksgiving. Mm-hmm. But in the first week of January of 2013, uh, um, I was at focus on the family, getting ready to go in and be interviewed for their radio program and get a text from John. Like we have a match of kids. Call me as soon as you can. And I'm like, oh, great. I'm supposed to go be articulate right now on this radio show. I didn't know anything about their ages or he said kids. So I knew there was probably more than one. So I don't even know how I concentrated to do that radio interview, but we got done. I remember leaving the interview and um, I was with a book called Lead Like Jesus with some co-authors. I afterwards remember going to dinner and I'm like, "Um, can you guys excuse me? I need to go talk to my husband. And so he's like, they're a girl, a girl and a boy. She's five. He's two. They've been in foster care a very long time. They've been moved around a lot because of behavioral issues. Um, They are looking for a family that's not going to send them away because they had multiple people that said they were going to adopt them and change their minds. And so the social worker thought of us and I'm like, okay, this is okay. Well, that's a lot to process, but they said um, they were in a home and they were working towards adoption and they were there over Christmas meeting all the family and the family has decided they cannot do this and they want them to be out of the house because they're going on vacation next week. And so they want to put us in our house in three days. (laughs) So not only Oh, wow. we have not even, we have not even met them yet. Yeah. Um, we didn't even know anything about them except their ages and their genders. And this was on a Monday. Oh, actually they said they need to know by Wednesday and we need to take them home on Thursday. So we're like, I don't know. What do you do in this case? They've been moved around a lot. They have a lot of behavior issues. We are going to bring them home with our two-year-old. <laughs> like it was in there. There was a girl five and a boy two. Mm-hmm. And it was like, we were praying about it and it was just like, we've been waiting and we've been given training and we said, God, whoever, and this is the whoever, right? like we thought whoever meant, um, you know, the skin color, <laughs> now, this is the whoever that God has brought us. So I guess this is a yes, but then up, we were just up all night. Like we couldn't sleep. Like, is it, is that going to hurt our little one, our two-year-old? It was just a lot to think about. And the, the morning, um, so we went and met them and again, very behavior, a lot of behavior issues, just even the hour and a half, we met them, we had an hour and a half to meet them and then decide. And we said, yes, um, trusting that if this was God's plan, that, that, that that's who he brought us. And so again, sleep, not sleeping on Wednesday night, Thursday morning, we woke up and we were both like, I don't know, like, we're still like, so scared. Like, what should we do? 
And John's like, I just think we need to do read our Bible and pray. So every morning we've been reading the, through the Bible together and we had started in Genesis and we were in James. Um, one of our readings that day was in James and we're like, okay, so here we are trying you know, try to do our normal motions of reading our Bible and praying together. And, and I'm like, I don't even know how I can sit down and concentrate on this. But in the first chapter of James, it comes pure religion is this to care for the orphans and widows. And we just both started crying so hard because we knew that was God's confirmation. Again, God has been so faithful to confirm um, for us. That was his confirmation because we're, we weren't consistent. I think this was like our second year, second year that we've taken to reading through the Bible because we'd read and then we miss a couple of days and then we move, you know? So it was like, we're still plugging along. We finally got to James and it was that day, that day that those passages came up, which again, is just God. Um, and so we went and drove up to the office and the people that had them before had dropped off all their stuff. We'd loaded in the back of our car, loaded up their car seats, put two kids in within like 30 minutes time. We're driving away with two children. <laughs> and so, and our other one, and we're driving home and we're just sitting there and the kids are like in the back seat screaming. They don't know who we are. They've been moved around so much. They were in, I went to their file in 12 different foster homes. Oh. Um, and so that's a lot for a two-year-old and a five-year-old. Yes. So, yes. so they, and they've had other people say, we're going to be your new mommy and daddy. So that doesn't even, you know, they're just screaming and carrying on in the back. Not, they were not angry screaming. They were like happy screaming, but it, they were, they were wound up <laughs> again, moving again. And so driving home, John's like, Trish, the state of Arkansas just gave us two kids. And so it was just like, and no one called for like two weeks. I'm like, hey, does anyone want to know how these kids are doing? And it was a lot. There was a lot of behavior issues. Like there was a reason, and I'll just leave it, but there's a reason why they were in 12 different homes. There's a lot of behavior for little kids because they had been through so much trauma and then trauma upon trauma getting moved from house to house. So it was like a year a year and a half of really, really hard. Um, we got into some great, um, they have a, something called a, a, a program or a, a, I guess a medical practice called the Child Study Center, which does um, trauma-informed therapy. So the kid, the people are used to working with kids from trauma and it was multiple times a week taking these kids, going through learning how to interact with them because the put your nose in a corner or sit in time out. Like the things that you just the training and the discipline, it doesn't work again, that mom of 23 years, all the things I used to do, yeah. we're going to have a timeout now. It doesn't work. And just how to interact. And because, because you're trying to bond with them and putting them in timeout is like not, it, it help, not, not how you build a bond with the child anyway. So it was relearning everything. And so I'm like, wow, I do not believe we are doing this. It was way, we felt way, it was way over our heads. We felt overwhelmed. And then after a year and a half going to the therapies, really like no matter what, we're sticking with these kids. And we just started behaviors changing a lot, like a night and day difference with the kids. Not that they were perfect overnight, but it was huge. We were changing, they were changing and we're like, okay, wow, we got through that. Like, that was really, really hard. 
but I'm so glad we did it. We love these kids now. Like at first they're just little strangers that are screaming at you in your house and you're having to deal with all their stuff. So finally we're like, and it's the bonding. People think of the bonding as the kids bonding with the parents. That's also the parents bonding with the kids because you need to care with them. You need to feel that love towards them. It's, it's a lot. And the therapies helped us to do that. And so we're like, okay, we're good. We're fine. We got our, we got our three little ones. We got our big ones. We're good to go. So glad we did it. And then God's like, you're not done yet. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. In these troubling times, it's no secret that we are being censored. It's getting harder and harder to spread the truth. Facebook is throttling us and we don't know how much longer we will be there. Here are a few things you can do to stay in touch with Deep Roots at Home. Firstly, sign up for our newsletter. Jackie sends out exclusive, important content to her readers. The link will be in the show notes. Number two, consider making Deep Roots at Home your homepage in your browser. Number three, print your favorite Deep Roots at Home articles and place them in a binder to have on hand in case of emergency. And finally, follow us on other social media channels. We are now on Telegram and Gab and soon Truth Social. Jackie's greatest desire is that God would be glorified through these dark times. Wow. So then, so what next? (laughs) Oh, yeah. Okay. So, so as God works, um, again, the heart galleries keep showing up every year in our churches and we keep looking at all those faces of all the kids and, um, during that time I was writing and a lot of my books had a lot of adoption themes. Like God was just where my storylines and stuff. So there's a lot, it just kept coming up a lot. And I would see, because now we're connected with project zero, there's a lot of sibling groups and they don't get adopted. So you see their photos year after year after year. Also at this time I was um, volunteering to lead a teen mom support group. And I saw a lot of young women who were, in foster care get pregnant or age out of foster care and immediately get pregnant and they're living with person to person house to house with friends aunties grandmas boyfriends and i just remember coming home and like someone needs to get these girls and just speak truth into them and help them and help them get an apartment help them to get on their feet like every week i'd be like these someone needs to like because they're just having these kids and then it's just the cycle and someone needs to like grab them up and pull them out before the cycle starts. And as every week, just like telling my husband, well, then I also went to um, Kenya with Awana and I was um, there as a blogger. So we got to go into the Kibera slums and these orphanages again, hundreds of kids and like, oh, these, there's so many kids out there that need adoption. And so as the to working with the teen moms and then seeing all the kids in the orphanages in Uganda and then seeing the heart gallery photos again it's like God's like you guys still like you could do some more and I'm like no I can't <laughs> like it was this argument like no I think you guys could do no I really we really can't like we really can't like <laughs> and it was it was yeah we're done like we have we adopted three and we have three older ones um we're good and one during one service it was um adoption Sunday at church <laughs> then they have the videos up there and I'm thinking I had just gotten back from Kenya and so just all the kids in the orphanages and 
working with teen moms and I felt God saying, you know how you keep saying, and this, this is, none of this is audible, but as I'm worshiping and singing, it's all this conversation in my mind. Like, you know, how you've been saying like someone needs to catch or capture these girls before they end up teenagers and pregnant and out on the streets and all this stuff. Um, maybe it's you guys. I'm like, no, you know, still singing and still worshiping and thinking of the orphanages and thinking of the heart gallery. And finally, like third or fourth song, I started crying. I don't usually, I'm not a crying person. So the fact that I'm notably crying in the situation is showing God is doing something. I was just crying. It was like, okay, God, I, if, if that's what you want us to do. Um, and it's with it, but very, very clear in my mind, girls, um, like preteen girls and sibling group. Because again, those are the ones that don't get adopted. You see their photos year after year and then one at a time they age out and then they end up pregnant. And anyway, so, and then the cycle starts again. So very clear during that worship time, um, adopt a, a sibling group of young girls, uh, like preteen girls. And I was like, okay. And so then I don't even remember what the sermon's about. In the car, get in the car. We have our three little kids in the back and our... um. I think our son was still at, had a, yeah, he was still living with us at that time. So a teenager or young man, he's, he's out of his early teen years and three little kids in the car. And I'm like my face, all my makeup's washed off my face. And I'm like, John, we're supposed to adopt girls from foster care, like a sibling group of girls from foster care. He's like, I know. I'm like, what do you mean? He's like, God was telling me the same thing. I'm like, okay. So I don't know if it was that day or the next day. i I messaged the lady from Project Zara Christie and said, Hey, we're supposed to adopt a sibling group of, teen, of young, like preteen to teen girls. Like, do you know of any? Because they have the heart gallery, but none were like just girls and just like those ages. And she goes, Oh my goodness, just yesterday I got an email from a social worker about four girls that had just had a failed adoption. That family had been working for two and a half years to get them. Their church had built them a house. They've only, they only had the girls for like three months and realized they could not do it. There's four of them. Their ages are, so at the time they're nine, 11, 11, and 14, 13 or 14. Um, uh, she was, and she told me their names and they were Hispanic and I'm Hispanic. I'm like, okay, I think that, I think those are the ones. Then she sent the photo and I'm like, okay, yeah. Like those are the ones, not that I needed the photo. Cause it was just like so clear. And she's like, oh yeah, just the day before I got this email. Um, and I showed John, he's like, oh yeah, <laughs> that, those are the ones we had not met them. We had no, no history of them. We just knew. And so then we went through the process of finding out more, getting their paperwork. They have the disclosure meetings, which they go over and they walked in with bins of all their paperwork medical records times um social workers were called to their house times police's police were called their house every foster home every like boxes and boxes and then they put you in a room and they're like okay go through this and in an hour you tell us after going through all this paperwork if you want to adopt these kids and so because they're supposed to have full disclosure of all the stuff there's there's therapists letters but it's we're talking four of them and each one of them has a huge, or some of them had two big boxes. And I remember after we were like reading stuff and reading stuff and reading stuff, and we're not even close to going through everything. And John stops me and goes, do we need to go through all this? And I'm like, what do you mean? He goes, we already know we're going to adopt them, right? And we're seeing here, they've had horrible, hard lives. And yeah. I don't think anything is going to change that we're still, God's called us to adopt them. So 
we could still sit here for another 30 minutes or whatever time it was. And we're not, first of all, we're not going to get through all these papers. Second of all, I don't think we need to go through them because we know they've had really, really hard lives. And I know we're called to do this. So we just like, after 30 minutes, we just called the lady in back like, yeah, we're going to adopt them. And she was like, you really like, like, you know, it's in these boxes. I'm like, we've got a clear view of what's in the boxes. Um, and so then we met them and, um, you know, they talk about the honeymoon period, we had a tiny bit of honeymoon period where they were trying to act right and be happy. But we got a pretty clear view during home visits of this is going to be really hard, but we very, very clearly, um, felt we were supposed to do it. And the God more than I think even the first time I got him from foster care, I think God bonded us quicker on our side, like, cause it was so clear that they've just had really hard lives and that God was bringing them into our lives. And, um, just this love and compassion for them. Um, and so we did visits for a while. Then we, we brought them home, uh, the summer of 2015 and the adoption was final in 2016. And so by the time the adoption was final, they were, uh, 12, 13, no, 11, 13, 13, and 15 by the time the adoption was final. And it was just as hard as we imagined. <laughs> it was, it's still, it's still hard. Um, we have good relationships with three out of the four and one, as soon as she turned 18, went with her biological mother and she speaks horrible things about us. And it's like, we were just trying to love you. Um, but we still know that that's the plan. And we still know that like, we're totally their parents and that, um, you know, it's just like with God and his children, like he's going to love us. And he wants a relationship with his children, with us. And we want a relationship with our girls, but, it's they have their own free will and their own choices. Stay tuned for next time with part two, where Trisha shares the beautiful story of how the siblings learn to bond with one another, how as a family they challenge themselves to have a grumble-free year, and Trish, Trisha's words of advice for those considering adoption. That's next time, so tune in. Thanks for joining us on the Deep Roots at Home podcast. We pray it has encouraged you in your walk with the Lord and as you serve your family. Could you do us a favor? If this has blessed you, could you help us spread the word by liking and sharing this podcast with your friends? And don't forget, we have lots of great links in the show notes that go along with today's podcast. See you next time.